Hello and welcome to episode 193 of the official EstablishTheRun.com podcast. My name is Adam Levitan. I'm one of the co-founders here at ETR. Memorial Day is behind us and that means it is full-blown fantasy football prep season. As always, I am joined by fellow co-founder, the lord of your top 150, Evan Silva. Evan, how's it going? What's up, man? Let's let's get into it. It's, it's fantasy football season. It's coming. It really is. It's here. It's here. <laughs> on today's show, we're going to discuss some news. And for those of you guys watching on, not watching on YouTube, I'm using air quotes here because it's a lot of soft news this time of year. I mean, you guys know how much I love to find news. And it's kind of frustrating that only news out there right now is soft news, some coach speak. But I think it's important to parse through because there are some takeaways, I think, that we need to be aware of heading in to training camp. Before we get into it today, I want to remind everyone our bundle package is live. If you want the draft kit and the in-season package together at a discount, head to the subscribe page on the site. And also, it is Discord week. If you're a subscriber of any kind, you have access to our Discord, which is subscriber only. If you talk about politics, if you talk about religion, if you whine about bad beats, you're getting the stone boot. No questions asked. So that is why it's a great place to be head to the discord comes with your subscription i'll be in there for an hour doing ama this week so will dink so will evan so will leone so will gallagher should be a good time all right this lion stuff evan got a lot of play in the fantasy community anthony lynn has made it very clear he's been adamant that he has big plans for jamal williams and let me read you the quote here jamal williams and this is from anthony lynn obviously new offensive coordinator of the lions jamal is what i would call a classic a back my A-backs are normally my bigger backs. They can run between the tackles, probably block a little bit better than the B. They can also run the perimeter. I can leave those guys in for all three downs. My B-back comes in. He's a guy that I sometimes want to use in space a little more. He's my speed guy, my space guy. I feel like Jamal would be an outstanding A-back. I like his energy. I like his pad level. I like the way he runs between the tackles. Now, this is not what the news that DeAndre Swift backers wanted to hear. And whether you think he's right or not, Jamal Williams is an A-back, whatever, it's clear Anthony Lynn likes Jamal Williams. What did you think when you saw this? Do you believe it? How do you think it plays out between Swift and Jamal Williams? Yeah, I, I believe it. I mean, the the Lions, I mean, we, we know, first of all, we know Anthony Lynn's track record. We know that he's not really like a, a plus EV decision maker. Um, I don't know why they, they chose him to, to run their offense. I think he would be like an excellent, like assistant head coach slash running backs, but I don't think that he's somebody that you want in charge of decision-making and doling out playing time and, you know, strategizing, leading into, you know, game planning, leaning in, leading into Sundays. Um, I, so I, you know, I, based on his track record, I it wouldn't surprise me in the least. They inherit the, this is a new regime as well. They inherited DeAndre Swift, they are not the team that, you know, th these are not the guys that decided to make him what, you know, the 35th pick or, uh, in the draft or what he, whatever he was in 2020. This is the regime that went out and signed Jamal Williams. This is the regime that is now looking at Todd Gurley, although that might just be a favor by their new GM, Brad Holmes, who uh, was was in L.A. with with Todd Gurley and you know, maybe just doing Todd Gurley's agent a favor, get his name back in the news or something. But either way, you know, they felt compelled to add this, uh, you know, Jamal Williams. And I, I don't I don't think that Anthony Lynn's lying to us. He, he does. You know, I, I definitely think he's an honest guy. Yeah. I, here's my take. The A back 
might not be the most valuable back. You could, what if the A back in LA when Anthony Lynn was there was Justin Jackson or Josh Kelly? And what I mean by that is he doesn't get the targets. He doesn't necessarily get the goal line work. It's just not that valuable of a position. It's just kind of like churning up. And then even Melvin Gordon to some degree, like Austin Eckler was more valuable than Melvin Gordon for a lot of the year when they overlap there. So I'm not like kicking the bucket on DeAndre Swift at all. I think bigger concerns for DeAndre Swift are the offense going to be woeful. The team's going to be woeful. They're not going to score very many points. And it's hard to rack up a lot of fantasy points that way. But like, I still want to bet on DeAndre Swift's talent. I just think that those like between the tackles, between the 20s carries, yeah, they're probably going to go to Jamal Williams. I agree with you that Anthony Lynn is shooting it straight here. But what do you think about that? Like Jamal Williams used as the Justin Jackson or Josh Kelly type in Anthony Lynn's offense. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like he has a higher opinion uh, of Jamal Williams than he did of Justin Jackson or jo- Josh Kelly. Yeah. And, I mean, although I you know, I, I like DeAndre Swift's t- talent too, I'm not sure that he's quite on Austin Eckler's level. Right. Um, so, I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, they, clearly they're going to use a committee though. They're going to use multiple backs on a bad team. And, um, you know, that, not a great fantasy situation. For sure. Okay. Other thing that has the NFL and fantasy community buzz is this Julio trade. We talked about it a little bit on the last podcast. Again, I would recommend listening to Jason OTC pod about the spot that the Falcons found themselves in. But regardless, what I've been doing is moving up all the guys. So I've been doing some drafts on underdog. I move up Calvin Ridley. I move up Russell Gage. I even take Olamide Zacchaeus sometimes if there's nobody else that I want in round 18 because I think this deal is going to go down as a post-June 1 move. You now have Calvin Ridley at the top of tier two wide receiver five behind only Tyreek Hill, DeAndre Hopkins, Steph Diggs, AJ Brown. And I agree. I've been taking Ridley ahead of DK Metcalf, Justin Jefferson, Keenan Allen, Devontae, etc. You can make a case that Ridley was a better pick than those guys anyways. But with the threat of Julio leaving, I mean, there's just absolutely no doubt about it. So how are you handling all these Julio rumors right now? I know you've been on the record thinking the Falcons should keep him. Obviously, at this point, it doesn't look like they will. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, Calvin Ridley and and Kyle Pitts both got big bumps in the rankings. Uh, Julio is down to, I think, like wide receiver 18 in large part due, just due to the uncertainty. We don't know where he's going to land. Um, so, I mean, yeah, that's that's just it. And uh, Matt Ryan also moved down a little bit uh, in the quarterback rankings. Um, but, yeah, out of that second receiver job in Atlanta, I mean, uh, I mean, they're, like, just taking a zero. I mean, yeah. you know, they – it, it, this all this would have made more sense if they had drafted CD Lamb like they should have over AJ Terrell yeah. and, uh, in 2020, but they got you know th- yeah go ahead. To Evan's credit, this isn't hindsight. At the time, I remember Evan saying they should have taken CD Lamb. Like you know, yeah. this is not. I mean, that was a, it was a no brainer decision yeah. for them, and and now it would it would make sense. It would make sense for them to move on from Julio, but now they're just going to take a zero at the at the second yeah. receiver spot. I mean. And note, I mean, although some teams do use tight, like two tight end formations at like a 40% clip or, you know, 30 to 40%, like there are no teams that actually have a two tight end set as their base offense. So I, so you're, you're always playing at least two receivers, if not, I mean, and and most of the time you're playing three receivers. So I I don't know. I mean, well, 
it this sounds is not like good. This is not good management by the Falcons. It sounds like you're lower than market on Russell Gage because a lot of people are really moving Russell Gage up in their. I rankings. mean, Russell Gage is just like you know the the benefact the beneficiary of opportunity, just being on the yeah. field. Yeah, I mean he's not he's not out here making big plays, and I mean he's he's just a guy. Yeah, no, I mean I do think that if Julio moves on and they don't add anyone else somehow, you're going to see a lot of like seven for sixty five from Russell Gage, and that's pretty yeah. valuable considering where he's going. It is. Um, it is. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm talking more from a real life standpoint. Like, yeah, you really sure. want to you're you're going to end up running out Russell Gage as an every down player. Like, yeah, you're, no, I you're mean, playing and, with ten men against eleven. Like, and their running game has been so 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 broken too. So yeah, speaking of the running game, Mike Davis's thighs took Twitter by storm. You've seen the pictures. The dude formerly known as ninety percent CMC. I was always a Mike Davis fan. I mean, I thought he should have stuck around with a lot of jobs, but he's been. Just an absolute journeyman. He breaks tackles at a really high rate. He catches the ball at a really high rate. He had seven games of five or more catches for the Panthers last year. You now have him in tier four, RB22, just behind Josh Jacobs, ahead of Kareem Hunt, ahead of Miles Gaskin. I mean, I think Mike Davis could catch a ton of balls. And if you remove Julio's target share from the Falcons here, you start to shift more around to everybody, including Pitts, Gage, Zacchaeus, Mike Davis. He keeps looking better. And better. So yeah, obviously the thigh stuff is a joke, but I do think that things are trending in the right way for Mike Davis. Any more thoughts on him? I think that he could move up. Um, I think that I might move him up actually from RB22 and maybe even move him up to the end of the third tier yeah. uh, in, in the David Montgomery, DeAndre, DeAndre Swift range. Yeah. You know, why, why would he not belong in there? Um, yeah. You know, I, I, I think I'm going to end up moving him up. Yeah. I mean, such little competition for carries. They have added absolutely no one. All right, this one excited me, man. I I don't want to go overboard on this, but man, I like the Bengals. I like Joe Mixon as a player. Offensive coordinator Brian Callahan comes out and says, I don't want Joe to leave the field, and I think he's up to that challenge. In other words, more on third downs, more in two minutes. People don't realize that even though Gio Bernard was not getting a ton of touches, Gio Bernard was playing a ton of snaps. I mean, most of the hurry up, mo- even in crunch time. Like I remember watching a Bengals game uh, early last year before Mixon got hurt. And it was like the guts of the game and they have to have Gio out there because they were in the hurry up. It's like, my God, you paid Joe Mixon all this money. He's so much better than Gio, but he sits on the bench because he's not the pass down back. I actually like starting drafts with Mixon and Eckler, like at 1.11 or 1.12 starting Mixon Eckler. I like that, especially in full PPR. I actually would have Mixon ahead of Cam Akers. I'd have him ahead of Aaron Jones. And I don't want to sound too crazy, Evan. I think that you can make a case for Mixon ahead of Jonathan Taylor if you think he's going to be a three-down back and the Bengals' offense is going to be, you know, Cowboys AFC or whatever. So that's my bull case on Joe Mixon. I don't want to, you know, get full 3.9 inches here on Joe Mixon and go overboard. But I, I don't know, man. Am I too excited about this quote? Am I sounds going like overboard? it's too late, man. It sounds like you're already there. <laughs> um, no, I mean, on paper, it looks good. You know, it's it's looked good for multiple years here for for Joe Mixon on paper. Um, and I, I, I like that, that rhetoric from the coaching staff, you know, it, it, it sounds promising to hear. Um, I, I, I like his talent. I like, you know, e- everything about his potential, but he, I mean, there is an element of, you know, have you done it before? And some of these guys around him, you know, Aaron Jones has absolutely done it, you know, um, and Joe Mixon, he did it in the second half of the 2019 season, mm-hmm. but he didn't do it for the full season. And then last year, he just he just kind of ghosted on, on the yeah. entire second half of the year. 
So there's an element of just, you know, Hey, you know, you, you have to show me that you, that you can do it for a full season. It's not easy to do. No, no one said it, it's, it's going to be easy for you know any running back to be able to handle, hold up to a workhorse uh, workload for an entire season. I mean, that's really something that is, and, and, it, and it has changed the way that teams view uh, running backs. I mean, it's why, you know, teams go with committees at the position is because it's really hard to find a running back that can be effective for 16 games, you know, handling, um, you know, 400 touches. Yeah. Um, I mean, and, and he's set up to, to do something like that on paper, but he just had, I mean, he's been in the league now for a while and he has not shown that, that he, that he can do that for a full 16 game slate. From a straight opportunity perspective, if you compare Mixon to Jonathan Taylor, there's much more threats to Jonathan Taylor's workload. Naheem Hines, Marlon Max coming back. I mean, Joe Mixon has Samaj P. Ryan, who, okay, whatever, and Chris Evans, who they drafted, okay, whatever. And you also have this rhetoric from the offensive coordinator, like we just talked about, where they don't want him leaving the field on third downs and passing downs. So just from a straight opportunity perspective, it seems to me like Joe Mixon could out-touch Jonathan Taylor. Now, in terms of efficiency, touchdowns, all that stuff, I understand people feeling better about Jonathan Taylor. I just want to make the point that the opportunity, I don't think, is that far off. And I actually think Mixon could get more opportunity. All right. Totally agree. And I, I hope for, for all of our sakes, because I mean, I, Joe Mixon, I, I've loved this dude, you know, as a player uh, since he came out of Oklahoma. I, I remember when he was in the same backfield as Samaj P, uh, P. Ryan at Oklahoma. And Joe Mixon was a fantastic player to watch in college. And I think when he's been healthy, and performing at peak level in the NFL, he's been as good as any running back that there is really in the league. Yeah. Okay, let's get to some actual hard news. Hard news, like actual news. Travis Etienne in minicamp worked as a wide receiver, not a running back. Now, I don't want to overreact here. I actually think this is a good thing, right? Like, it's not that hard to learn running back, or relatively speaking, it's not that hard to learn NFL running back concepts, etc. It is hard to learn wide receiver and that's unique that's harder so I understand what the Jaguars are thinking here let's during rookie minicamp let's get Travis Etienne out there at wide receiver get him comfortable with it see what he can do so I'm actually optimistic about this for fantasy we want him lining up wide catching passes because James Robinson's gonna play Carlos Hyde's gonna play we know Urban Meyer loves Carlos Hyde so so yeah you know I didn't view this as a bad thing for Travis Etienne from a straight volume perspective though Man, it's tough to get there. Like, I don't see how we can project him right now for more than 10, 12, you know, 14 touches at absolute most per game. He's going in like the fourth round, and it's a lot to use a fourth round pick on a guy who maybe is at eight carries a game and four targets. Like, that's tough, man. So what do you think about Travis Etienne working as a wide receiver at minicamp? No, I'm with you. I think it's a good thing. Um, And I think that, you know, the way to project him is like, five targets a game, nine carries a game, you know, yeah. something like that, maybe nine to 12 carries a game. Um, I, I think he's going to end up leading the Jaguars running backs in snaps for sure. Um, I think that there might be a chance that James Robinson leads them in touches, but th- that's going to come as carries. Uh, and I, I like the, I like the fact that ETN is working out at wide receiver. I, I still think that he's going to be, you know, when they get to training camp, he's going to be a tailback and he's going to be a guy that they, you know, they manufacture touches for. Yeah. The thing is, man, like I know you're higher than market on DJ Chark. We talked a bunch about that last episode. I like LaVisca Chenault. I think we both like LaVisca Chenault. I think Marvin Jones showed last year he can still play. They gave him a bunch of money. We know Urban loves 
Carlos Hyde, James Robinson played so well last year. I mean, you're talking about a lot of mouths to feed on offense that we think will be significantly better, but certainly not elite. So that's the concern for me on Etienne in the fourth round. I think it's a bit of a stretch for me right now. Um, but yeah, I do. Yeah, think I, it's good. I wouldn't take him in the fourth round either. Yeah. Okay. Uh, San Francisco. Kyle Shanahan has been adamant that Jimmy Garoppolo will start week one. It's interesting, man. Like most of the betting markets right now, which I don't think are very efficient, but they have odds for when Trey Lance will make his first start. Um, I think they have it right now around week four, week five. I'd have to check on that actually to be sure. But yeah, you know, uh, do you believe Kyle Shanahan when he says Jimmy Garoppolo is definitely going to start? I mean, think about what they gave up to get Trey Lance. Think about how frustrated Kyle Shanahan was with the way Jimmy Garoppolo has played of late. I don't know what to believe here with Kyle Shanahan. How are you handling Trey Lance in drafts if you're drafting right now? Yeah, Leone got mad at me because I had him too low um, initially. Uh, you know, I, I just think that there's the, the tentative plan is for them to start with Jimmy Garoppolo. And a lot of people, you know, a month ago were saying there's no way that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be on the roster. Well, he's still on the roster uh, to this point. They can they can keep him on the roster from a salary cap standpoint. Um and I think that they probably will open. I mean, the, the thing about Trey Lance is that he had like 320 career dropbacks in college. Yeah. You know, like Patrick Mahomes in the NFL last year dropped back to pass like six, 700 times. Yeah. You know, so Trey Lance is just very raw and, and underdeveloped. And I think that he's going to be the quarterback for the 49ers sooner rather than later. But I don't think that's going to be in week one. And um, I, I do think that the 49ers are probably going to carry Jimmy Garoppolo and, and, ha and have him open the season as their starter. But if he plays anything like he did last year, uh, and even before the high ankle sprain, he, was, he, he did not play well, then it's going to be the Trey Lance show. Yeah, I mean, one thing that you can do in best ball, and I think Herzig's actually writing an article about this as, as we speak, is you take two quarterbacks, one of them being a good one, you know, Dak or – Kyler or Lamar or whoever and then you also pair him with one of these rookies in an ambiguous situation such as Trey Lance and then yeah you're fine for the first five or six weeks you have such an elite option you'll be totally fine and then hopefully Trey Lance or Justin Fields or whoever rookie you take gets in there for weeks eight through the end and then you have two really elite options which we think will both be rushing quarterbacks and Fields or Lance there so I like that strategy for sure um you know, okay, let's move to this uh, Austin Eckler as Alvin Kamara thing. I find it funny on Twitter, you know, and, and everybody wants to say, oh, you know, uh, so many assumptions on coaches plug and play. Joe Lombardi was the Saints quarterbacks coach. So, of course, you know, now that he's a Chargers offense coordinator, well, Austin Eckler is going to be Kamara. And, and, oh, Anthony Lynn was just coaching Austin Eckler. So now, you know, Swift is going to be Austin Eckler. And Mike LaFleur, he coached George Kittle. So now Chris Herndon is, is George Kittle role. You know, I don't know how much we want to – extrapolate that stuff obviously the Herndon Kittle one is laughable um but I do think that Eckler as Camara makes the most sense out of all of these in terms of skill set in terms of how they should be used what do you think about all this rhetoric around Austin Eckler playing Alvin Kamara for Justin Herbert and Joe Lombardi um I mean I don't Austin Eckler is I don't, I don't care about that like Austin Eckler is doesn't need to be Alvin Kamara. Like he's yeah. he's gonna go out there and crush. He crushed when uh, Justin Herbert 
uh, when, when he came back from his injury last year and Justin Herbert was in there, he crushed the year before that when he, when he was healthy for the full season. I mean, he was a league winner that year, even though, um, I mean, we, we, do we, do we hear from uh, can't run between the tackles Twitter anymore? <laughs> uh, I, I haven't heard from them in, in a long time, but I, I mean, just Austin Eckler is going to crush and it's not because he's Alvin Kamara. Yeah. I absolutely love Austin Eckler. And I, I love where you have him ranked also. I believe in the latest 150, I'm ahead of Nick Chubb, ahead of Cam Akers, ahead of Joe Mixon. Yeah, I, I, I like being higher than market on Austin Eckler if we can, for sure. I know a lot of people are very high on Austin Eckler. News out of the Dolphins camp is that Tua says his hip feels 10 times better. That's a lot. I mean, Tua's was not great last year. Um but you can see paths to him being so much better. You get the hip 10 times better. You learn the playbook. Like one of the stories coming out of this mini camp was that Tua said he was never comfortable even calling plays last year. You give him Jalen Waddle. You give him Will Fuller. I'm not sure how explosive Tua can be for fantasy because he's not exactly a pure runner. I don't know if he's going to have a lot of 300-yard games. But he's certainly going to be way, way better. And for real life, I think Tua is going to be way, way better. We've talked about him plenty. I know you have the long shot MVP tickets. On to, uh, but yeah, it has to make you feel good that he says his hip is 10 field times better. He didn't even know the playbook last year, et cetera, et cetera. Like it's all things are looking up for Tua right now. Yeah, he probably should have uh, known the playbook um, last year. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think that that's one of the reasons that he struggled. He didn't feel comfortable. You know, it, it's it's so important for a quarterback to feel comfortable. That's why, you know, quarterbacks that they, they throw the ball so much better uh, from an efficiency standpoint when they are uh, not under pressure. You know, yeah. they, they tend to play better at home than away because they're more comfortable um, at, at home. You know, and, you know, all, all these different data points indicate that comfort level is so important for a quarterback and Tua clearly wasn't uncomfortable. And I'm sure that part of that, remember, his injury was compared in some circles to Bo Jackson's hip injury. I mean, it was a hip dislocation and fracture. A lot of people thought that he should just sit out the entire season. He did go in there and get some experience. It, I think it was largely negative experience, but I think the, what the Dolphins have done is, is really smart by trying to, trying to increase his comfort level by devoting a lot of resources to not only his pass catcher core, but also uh, drafting uh, the, the, the second round right tackle, Liam Eikenberg, um, I think their offensive line is young and it's going to be better this year. Uh, to be clear, in one quarterback fantasy leagues, I don't think two is a great pick. You have him at QB 21 right now, which is obviously pretty far off the radar in one QB leagues. But in two QB leagues, I like Tua as being above market on Tua if you can in two QB leagues and stuff like that. Dynasty, two QB super flex type spots also. Um, uh, I, do, I do a sneaky stacks article uh, each year for uh, ETR. And I think the Dolphins are going to be a sneaky stack yeah. where, you know, you draft like, like Devontae Parker's going really late in drafts, so like, like, like yeah. the nine, 10 turn. Um, I think Jasicki is also uh, really cheap. He actually had the most targets and receptions on passes thrown from Tua last year. Um, he's really cheap in drafts. Will Fuller, I, I don't think is going to be terribly expensive. Miles Gaskin um, was the freaking PPR RB eight when he was healthy last year. You know, he was a usage monster and he doesn't have a ton of competition either. So, and I know that some people like, like Salvan Ahmed 
um, as I think he's probably going to be their change of pace back, you know, but they're, yeah. they're, they're going to be an interesting team to, to like a, an interesting team stack that is going to be very affordable in drafts. Yeah. I like that too. Leon and I did a stream a couple weeks ago of a draft and we did set up the dolphin stack is so, so, so cheap. Last thing I want to touch on quickly. I don't think this really matters too much, but obviously at all these rookie mini camps, there's hype on the rookies. There's guys saying, oh, this guy looks great. Cornell Powell is one of them out of Chiefs camp. And the only reason I even bring it up is because he's attached to Patrick Mahomes. We don't think very highly of Byron Pringle or Demarcus Robinson. Do you think there's any chance that Cornell Powell can somehow be relevant in year one for the Chiefs? Well, when we did our um, our post-draft review show and we got yeah, we to the Chiefs. Yeah. No, we, we didn't mess up. We didn't mess up. <laughs> we... I mean, we, we were like, I think one of us said, you know, we wish the, wish the Chiefs would have, you know, went, went and got a receiver got or been more aggressive at receiver. It, it wasn't that we forgot that Cornell Powell existed. It's that like, we, were, we were sort of expecting them to do more at the position than what they did after losing Sammy Watkins and uh, McCole Hardman coming off a, a miserable season. Mm-hmm. Um, Cornell Powell – there's like nothing I like about him other than the fact that he's now playing with Patrick Mahomes. I mean, yeah. coming out of, uh, he, he was not productive in college. He's not a good athlete. Uh, he, I mean, they, I, you, you can look at his profile there. There's really nothing to like about him except for the fact, I mean, he's in a normal year. Again, this draft was really, really weak in a normal year. This guy wouldn't have been drafted, yeah. but he did end up in Kansas city and so we can talk about him, but geez, I mean, I, Demarcus Robinson is going to be way ahead of him. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they like Pringle too, probably. Uh, yeah. Uh, Brian they, more than I gave him credit for. Byron Pringle, a second round restricted tender. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Okay. We've been through the news. We've said it all. Hope you guys had a great Memorial Day weekend. We are ramping the pot up as I know everybody is starting to get set for more and more drafts. Be sure to head to the site. Check out the bundle package if you are interested. For producer Luke, for Evan, I'm Adam. Good luck, everybody. Mm-hmm.